I want to talk to you about something of that I hear quite a bit from new believers. Why? I just heard. I just heard it. I just heard it. Why, preacher? Are there these long lists of genealogies in the Bible? You take a new believer and you say you ought to read the Bible, and they say, "Okay, I'm going to read the Bible." Where do you start in a typical book? The At the front, which is in our in our language, it's the left. Hebrew would be the right, but we're in the left. So you go to Genesis. Well, Genesis don't start out too bad, and then you hit the first genealogy of Genesis. You can't pronounce the words. And so you, you stumble through that thing, and you're like, what in the world? Then you hit the second genealogy of Genesis. And then you just start hitting genealogies as you down, go down through the Old Testament. There's these long lists of people, so-and-so begets so-and-so begets so-and-so begets so-and-so. And, they, and some of them are even so detailed, they live so many years. And that takes a lot of, sometimes nine chapters. Um, there's so many. And then it is, the book is, a, the Bible is a book of detail. Detail. Now, what in the world we got these genealogies for? What's it all about? And so I'm going to go into a little bit, at least in this particular case, of why we have the genealogy we find in Matthew chapter 1. If you want to get your Bible, I'm not going to put anything up on the back here. Genealogy chapter 1, or Genesis, Matthew chapter 1 is the first genealogy, and then Luke chapter 3 is found your second genealogy of really of the birth of Jesus Christ. On our first, well, maybe I ought to go here. Uh, you won't see, you won't see these 20-somethings ever using this because they don't know how to use it. They can't write. They can only type. And if it's not a little pad, they, they don't understand what to do with it. So I just can't believe the difference between Barrows and I. His whole outlook is so different than mine. It's pretty amazing about computers and usage. And he, he's got this computer you write on it. And so he writes, rather than making notes on a piece of paper, he writes on this computer. And I go, why? You just got paper. Well, anyway, so. The genealogy of Matthew, you understand the book of Matthew was written primarily for the Jews. Most of you know that. Now, I'd be honest with you. I, I talked to a believer that had been saved for 20, 25 years. And she did not understand that each gospel, the first three gospels, were written to three different groups of people. And, I mean, we're talking targeting a group. Matthew is really written from a Jewish understanding and a Jewish perspective. I don't have time this morning. I'm not going into all the reasons why, but I have in the past of why. It presents Jesus as the king of the Jews. And it, it, it makes sense to me that the genealogy starts with what matters to the Jews. Abraham. Adam don't matter to the Jews. Abraham matters to the Jews because where they were really started from was Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 15, where the covenant was made to this man Abraham. Then it went to Isaac and it went to Jacob. His name was changed later to Israel as he had 12 sons, which ended up being the 12 tribes of Israel. So 
It goes from Abraham to Joseph, and this is not the Joseph of Egypt. This is the Joseph, which was the husband of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Okay, so you can tell straight, right? So it goes from Abraham all the way down to Joseph. We call this... We call this the legal Oh, I spelled that right. Legal line. And I'm not sure this isn't cursive, it's not it's a combination of, of a couple two or three things. Yes, gibberish. <laughs> but at least I can write. You know what I mean? Legal line, that's a legal line of the promise made to David. David, there was promises made to Abraham all going back, but bottom line, let's go to David. David was promised to have a son that would sit on the throne. You remember all that. And he was promised that that, that, that would happen. The Christ was coming that would save the world. He was going to be a son of David, and he would sit on the throne of David and rule. Okay, that's important. This is the legal proof of that right there well the the book of luke written to the gentiles uh, primarily with it with that in mind with so that he in other words, he wrote it through the holy spirit where the gentiles would would be able to grasp the concepts through it and he did started with uh, and there's a little confusion here because it talks about joseph the son of heli that is a jewish way of saying if you get married someday your wife's daddy will be able to call you his son. Because when you have a girl and she gets married, you gain a son. And when you have a boy and he gets married, you gain a daughter. They had a way called the son of Heli. So Heli really, and if it goes, it says the son of Heli, then it goes from Heli to Adam. It doesn't go from Joseph to Adam. It goes from the son of Heli to Adam, which was, it talks up that was their idiom. It was a Hebrew idiom that, that made so, and if you want to know more about that, you can research it all you like, but you just can't take me by faith on that. So we're coming down here. This goes to Adam. It makes sense that the Gentiles care more about the big picture. Adam, where did Christ come from? Well, the promise of the Christ was actually Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, right? That there would be a seed of the woman. Now, this is the crazy part because the seed don't come from the woman. Now, we happen to have DNA knowledge. They did not. So it didn't bother them when that was said. But when we read seed of the woman, we go, wait a minute. Male and female come from the, male, from, from the man, not the woman. We share 23 chromosomes, 23 chromosomes. And so it's like, what is going on here? That's it. But it makes sense now. It makes sense to us understanding. So the Genesis 3.15 really was, was with these group of people here. The promises of, of, of this guy, of Abraham, that was in Genesis chapter 12, Genesis chapter 15 reiterated that the Christ was going to come through him, son of David. And this guy right here, Adam, 
it was given to he and his wife, and it was a real promise to them. You know, they had just fallen, lost everything, got a wicked nature. Uh, the whole creation had been bound by this, this curse. Romans chapter 8 talks about it. If brothers trying to memorize it. It's a, it's a sad case of affairs. But uh, the creature was bound under this same kind of curse and is, by the way, longing for the glorious manifestation of the children of God. All creation is longing when Jesus comes back and he, he releases the creation from this curse with the children of God. That's us as we get with him. So Heli, the son of Heli, which was uh, basically Mary's dad. This is Mary's dad. So you could say it's from Mary. It's really from the father of Mary down to Adam. That's that, that's that genealogy right there. Now this genealogy is the royal the royal line which is interpreted maybe it's the physical line okay there we go so we have the physical have the royal or physical line of Jesus through I might as well put this up here too through the son of David, it was the son of David, his name was Nathan, son of Solomon, and we have Solomon. Solomon was the son of David, and that was your legal line, which Christ comes down through through Joseph, right, right here. You got it coming through Solomon down to Joseph, the legal line. You got the physical line coming down through Nathan, the son of David, and that was the physical the body. In other words, he gets, gets his body from David, the son of David. He gets his kingship from Solomon. So through Nathan, he gets he gets the the, the Davidic promise of of David's son being on the throne. He gets the legal promise of Solomon on the throne, excuse me, of, of uh, Jesus being a son of David through Solomon on the throne. You know, I, I feel I feel a little bit like, uh, I feel a little bit like Tom Cronin last week trying to describe it that uh, I said to Tom, I understood that before you started. But when you got done, I wasn't sure where I was. I thought, okay, that's okay, we got it. So do you understand that? You get that? You say, I don't get it, preacher. Well, let me, let me run that by you one more time. Okay, so we got a Jewish perspective. We got a Gentile perspective. Both genealogies are important is what I'm trying to get at. It solves a technical problem because there had been a curse uh, back in Jeremiah chapter 22. If you got your Bible, you can turn to that. I'll read it for you. There had been a curse called the curse of Kaniah, or Jeconiah, really, um, and so God, Jeconiah was such a bad guy, and he was in the line of the Christ, son of David, through Solomon, that he was such a bad guy that God cursed him and said, none of your seed, whoa, wait a minute now, none of your seed is going to sit on the throne of David. Let me read it. Uh, Jeremiah twenty-two, twenty-eight, and 30, through 30. 
Is this man Kaniah a despised broken idol? Is he a vessel wherein is no pleasure? Of course, the answer to that is yes. Wherefore they are cast out, he and his seed are cast into land which they know not. O earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Write ye this man childless, a man that shall not prosper in his days. And this is a key statement. For no man of his seed, and he was down through the line of Solomon to Christ, shall prosper sitting upon the throne of David, ruling anymore in Judah. This creates a tremendous problem. Because Jeconiah is the legal heir of Jesus, and he was thought to be the physical heir of Jesus also. It really creates an unsolvable problem. I bet the devil had him a spell. I had him a spell. Good to have you back, by the way. It It create, I mean, the devil probably had him a dance. All the demons had a party. They threw a party. We got him. We got him. We got him. We got Jack and I to be so bad that God couldn't stand him anymore. He is, the, he is in the line of the Christ, which we have been trying to stop since we heard about it in Genesis 3.15. You know, we tried it at the flood. We tried to eliminate him at the flood, and that didn't work. We, we tried to eliminate him at the Tower of Babel. Well, that didn't work. You know what I'm saying? All those were attempts of the evil one to destroy the line of Christ because he don't care about you and me. He cares about the Christ that is going to smash his power and his head. He's going to crush his head, which, by the way, has happened. We're really talking. It's not fully been completed, but positionally, when Christ said teletestai, which is the Greek for it is finished, is when the power of the evil one, which has the power of death, was crushed by Christ. Really, it was crushed, I suppose, even further at the resurrection. When Christ was raised from the dead, that, it was a sign of God that that was the one. It was accept, The sacrifice on Calvary was accepted. And now he is to rule and reign. He's not coming back as the little lowly lion, little lowly lamb Jesus. That's over. I told my wife the other day I was preaching to her. That's over. That lamb stuff's over. It's the lion now. He's coming back as a rule and reign, as a lion. The he's called now the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And Satan has no one to fear. He don't fear you and me at all. But he fears. And he understands enough of the Bible to know that this Christ is coming to, not only has he been now positionally destroyed at the resurrection and death, burial, and death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, he was positionally destroyed, put under the heel, as it were. But pretty soon Jesus is coming back to rule and reign a thousand years, putting his feet on the Mount of Olives and going to take this whole earth back over for himself. The only government that ever will be good and ever has been good will be Jesus' government. Government at its best is poor because of the wicked nature of man. Total power corrupts totally. And when you give people power, too much praise, 
too much power, they go mentally ill on us. Like, the worst thing you could do for a little, pretty little girl when you raise her up is to call her pretty. Quit calling her pretty. Quit calling her how beautiful your hair is, how beautiful this is. Quit that. Put her to work. Make her get sweaty. Make her, make her grind out some, uh, you know, lawn mowing and dishes and chicken plucking and, and, and uh, hog cleaning. And boy, Tom ought to get up and say amen. Glory to God for his hand. You want to ruin your daughters? Give them too much praise. Now, there, there's a place for praise. Absolutely. It should be earned and it should be real. But there also is, is, can be extreme. I like the verses the Bible says, In prosperity the destroyer cometh. You can almost withstand anything the devil throws at you unless he makes you real prosperous. Didn't Jesus agree with that? And he says, hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. He says, real, real hard. I mean, just to the place where disciples have said, well, then how can anybody be saved? If the rich people can't get saved, how can anybody be saved? Because they thought riches were a blessing from God. Jesus reverses that whole thinking. He says, whoa, and James, James of course, picks that up and says, whoa to the rich. And uh, he tells the rich, mourn, don't laugh. And so you look at the you look at the Bible and then go back to Proverbs of Solomon, which was rich, by the way. You saw what it did to him. And so he's going to come back and put his feet on the Mount of Olives and reign for a thousand years. That is going to be the physical crushing of Satan. He's going to take Satan, he's going to bind him where he's powerless, and put him in the abyss. Now, he lets him go at the end of the thing. Because there had been a bunch of children born in the millennium that never knew and never had a choice like everybody else has had a choice. You've had a choice. They will have not had a choice. Satan wasn't around. So to, to filter out who's really for him and who's against him, he lets Satan go out, and he filters out. And, and it's, is it amazing to you how many follow Satan? After having the most beautiful government you'd ever want to have, after having the most beautiful life you'd ever want to have, after having peace cover the world like the oceans cover the sea, like, like, like having everything you ever dreamt about, having a heaven, and they follow Satan which tells them you're getting a raw deal. You don't really know what living's all about till you live like I tell you to live. And they're going to follow him. And, of course, then, you know, God makes quick work of the deal, shuts it down, then you go for all eternity out there. So you see why Satan has spent his whole time since the announcement of Genesis 3.15 trying to somehow pollute the line of Christ to where God's word could not be fulfilled. Now, isn't it amazing trying to outsmart God? Who do you think you are? How much wisdom do you think you have that you got more wisdom than he who created you? Well, Satan is so deceived in egotism 
that he actually believes that he can outsmart, outwit, outmaneuver, outplan God. That's exactly the way it is. He's deceived by his own, even though he's the greatest deceiver that ever came upon any, that ever came up, yet at the same time he is deceived by his own ego. Boy, I've seen that happen. So what's, what's solved this problem, this unsolvable problem? We got the curse of Kaniah. We got no legal, no legal heir. The virgin birth. The virgin birth. It's one of the major doctrines of all scripture. The virgin birth solves this whole problem. Joseph marries Mary and legally that's it. They're one. Two two become one flesh. So Jesus has the official documentation of being the son of David, legally. Physically, Mary is part of the lineage, of physical lineage of David. So the Holy Spirit takes Joseph out of the physical part of birth, and he gives, he, he uh, impregnates Mary. And so Jesus is now the Son of God and the Son of Man. He's all God, he's all man. You say, I can't understand it. Well, there's a lot of things we don't get, but that's what it teaches. And you know, the demons knew who he was. Oh, they knew who he was. I'll speak about that a little bit later. They knew who he was. He wasn't, he wasn't your ordinary guy for sure. So I think, uh, see, so the Bible says, for as in Adam, 1 Corinthians 15, 22, for as in Adam all die. But in Christ shall all be made alive. When the Holy Spirit skips this, he skips the evil nature. Because the evil nature come down through in Adam. It didn't say in Eve all die. It said in Adam. That's genetic coding before we even knew there was such a thing as genetics, before we knew anything. God is tipping the hat a little bit that there's something about man and he's giving something different and women, you know, it's just amazing how scientific the Bible is. And so he skips the curse given to Adam and yet keeps the physical human being of Mary through her genetic Code, which everybody has 46 chromosomes, right? I mean, every one of your cells that 
You'll go to biology. Every one of your cells has 46 chromosomes. So we have divine and human, same person. We have the Son of God and the Son of Man represented in Jesus Christ. Now, in the Hebrew idiom of that, Son of God means, can mean representative of God. And Son of Man means representative of man. Think about that, with that word there. Jesus was and is the image, the visible image of an invisible God. If you've seen me, he told Philip, you've seen the Father. Show us the Father. By the way, that wasn't such a bad request. Moses made that same request. I want to see you. He goes, hmm. Now, you can't see my face, but you'll be able to see Jesus' face. Jesus said, what? I've been so long with you, and you're not knowing me? Nobody would say that unless it was so. Jesus, when when they walked with Jesus, they walked with the Father. When they got taught by Jesus, they got taught by the Father. When they ate with Jesus, they got to eat with the Father. But he also was a son of man. He was really man. Well, he was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Why didn't he have sin? Because he didn't have the curse on him. He was the sinless son of God without sin. Because he was born of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost implanted in her. No wonder wonder she got, she didn't have a clue what all was going on. I don't blame her on that. The Bible says, Wherefore as by one man sin in the world, death by sin, so death passed upon all men for all have sinned, but not Jesus. Not Jesus. Next week, I'm going to get into the people in the lineage the people in the genealogy. There is an, um, there are some amazing things we learn by who is in this Matthew, especially Matthew's genealogy. It's just an amazing truth that we can... Now you say, what are... Gene-? These are great things you learn out of the genealogies. Without these genealogies, you wouldn't be able to have all what I said this morning and wouldn't be able to understand the virgin birth. But now you understand the virgin birth perfectly. Because you've been paying attention, and, and I have a, such a, Tom and I have such an ability to explain complicated things. <laughs> now I know what you felt like, brother. All right, Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for the Bible. Thank you for the truth of it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com. Or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church, Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.